Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome, AfterBuzzers and baseball fans, to your Dodgers Wrap 360. I'm your host, Christina Kaplan. I'm joined by... I am her host, Kevin John. (laughs) What's going on, guys? Bobby DeMuro back again this week. Yes, yes. Last week was our first official week. Bobby held it down with Jared, who we're missing today. We miss him very much. But we have got your coverage for this past week of Dodger baseball. That's what we're here for. Yes, of course. So... We had the Braves where the Dodgers went one and two, and the Mets where they split the series two and two. So let's start with the Braves. Let me get your rapid reaction to that series, Kevin. Well, you know, I think with the Braves, first of all, you have to look, okay, they, they, they lost the first couple of games out there. And the thing is, with a team like the Braves, which personally I don't necessarily feel is that dominant, but... You do have to also realize, and we talked about this before on the show, that one of the things that's the Dodgers' Achilles heel is road wins. And we saw that on this past road trip. Now, they didn't do terrible. Um, and, you know, with the, uh, uh, if you look at all the wins, that, or excuse me, all seven games as, they, as it is. But that's just one thing that they have to get into the, um, the mode of doing, especially going deep into the season. So I'm not going to say that I was disappointed with them throughout that series, but I would also would say that I was not impressed. So... Uh, listen, I'll disagree with you on road wins. Dodgers are twenty three and twenty seven on the road. I think anything more, and you're getting really below five hundred on the road. You're getting really greedy. If you're expecting five hundred better on the road, you're getting really greedy, even with a good team. Um, this isn't the Cardinals, and even the Cardinals, I think you're getting really greedy over five hundred on the road. Let me say this about the Braves series: Braves are playing for nothing. Braves bullpen's terrible. They've lost Jason Grilly for the year after he tore his Achilles two weeks ago. Braves bullpen shut the Dodgers down for three games. Dodgers were lucky to win one. The big story of the series for the Dodgers, though, is Mike Bolsinger. Shut down starter, did what he had to do on Wednesday. That's what the Dodgers need. Usually they get it from Kershaw and Greinke. Obviously, those two guys shut down everybody. They got it from Bolsinger this week after losing the first two. He wins this game on Wednesday. You salvage a series. And we've talked about it before on test shows and stuff. Now we're live, obviously. When you win one out of three on the road against an average team, Braves are going nowhere, but they're not the worst in the National League. When you take one out of three on the road on East Coast trip... It's not the worst. And then you couple that with splitting a series against an actually decent Mets team. You do three and four in the week, you do okay. It's nothing to write home about, but you're also not hitting the panic button. Well, well I'll say this with Bolsinger as well. You know, I think he's all, kind of always been the unsung you know, hero within that particular um Within that particular lineup, you know, all is said about Grinky and Kershaw, and, 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 you know, validly so. You know, they deserve the praise for their accolades. But, you know, Bolsinger's another guy in there, which we're going to talk about trades later. If he can continue playing at the way that he's doing, then that will relieve some stress within. In a weird way, I agree with you. In a weird way, and he's not the, the legit MVP, but is he almost the Dodgers MVP? Because Grinky and Kershaw have done what you expected them to do, and then some. They're playing exactly. out of their heads. But Bolsinger came out of nowhere. Exactly. You expected nothing from him. And 
And all of a sudden, Kevin, you and I are sitting here, and, and the test shows we've run a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. things that don't go to air, things we practice on, you and I are sitting here like, wait a second, Mike Bolsinger, is he for real? Is he for real? Listen, a couple more weeks of this, and he's absolutely for real. I, how do you not say that? He's he's way exceeded expectations. Exactly. Exactly. So you guys would both say that you're optimistic that he can be a lockdown third starter heading into the... I guess less than second half of the season. I don't know if I'd say lockdown, but <laughs> you're taking you know, my, you're yeah. taking my brain here. <laughs> I definitely would say lockdown, but I would definitely say potential to be there. Like, can they outside of Grinky and Kershaw? Who do you feel comfortable with? Right, and and, I, and that's kind of what the question has been. It's kind of been no one up until this point. But if Bolsinger, like uh, you know, Bobby said, if Bolsinger is that one that can fill that third um, ace void then that does a lot to really relieve a lot of stress. And I also think that I will do a lot. Well, obviously, I'll do a lot for the organization, but also do a lot for Grinky and Kershaw instead of always putting the pressure on the both of them whenever they go out there, especially in the playoffs, because we know come playoffs, that's when you really, really have to have um, a solid rotation. So, and, and, and when we say lockdown, I think that's the wrong word, but when we're talking about lockdown with a third starter, with a fourth starter, what are we talking about? If Bolsinger, come playoff time, come September, come crunch time, can mm-hmm. go six innings, give up three runs, do outings like that. If you're losing 3-1, three, 3-2 three after six innings of Bolsinger, you're in a position. You mm-hmm. know, when you, when you have Frias come out, when you have Brandon Beachy come out, and you're out of games after four, five, six innings, it's too much. But Bolsinger is a third guy. Hey, wait a second. You go 6-7, you give up two or three, Dodgers are in position, you've got guys who hit home runs, and all of a sudden, one swing of the bat, and you're right back in the game. So I guess the better word, then, is to say, are you more optimistic that he's a consistent starter for yeah. that lineup? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Maybe not lockdown is the Lock- right word, but I, we got I know it. what you were saying. <laughs> yes. we, know, we, we were being optimistic with it, but, but yeah, you know, I, I, you know, does he, at, at, does he at this point instill some confidence into that rotation? Absolutely. You know, because, like, like I said, come, come playoffs, you you know the way the rotations go. Obviously, Grinky. Obviously, Kershaw. We know they're not locked down, but shut down. Um, you know, uh, uh, aces. The thing is, can Bolsinger come in on that third game for you know what have you and uh, be able to deliver? And I think Bobby said it best. Really, you just need someone that gives you a chance to win. He doesn't have to go out there and pitch eight scoreless. You know, as long as you know he can give up a run, a two. As long as he gives you guys in the best position. To you know, be able to win the game. That's pretty much all that matters, and I think that's all that's being asked from Bolsinger. If he wants to do more than that, then hallelujah, bring it. <laughs> if, he, if he wants to start his own yeah, solo stream, <laughs> exactly. If he wants to do that, hey. <laughs> right now, in the notes that Bobby so graciously provides us, um, you wrote in here one of the most important starts of the season. Why is it that you say that for Bolsinger? It's on the road. It's against an East Coast team. West Coast teams have a tough time going East. East Coast teams have a tough time going West. It's very general, but it's generally true. You're on a, against an East Coast team that's not good, but not awful. You've lost the first two games of that series, and then Bolsinger comes in in a day game when the Braves can put you away and say, forget about it, let's sweep a series here against a West Coast club. That For the Dodgers, you're only in Atlanta for two days thus mm-hmm. far. You're playing at 9 a.m. You know, yeah. this is, this is, your, your, your schedule's messed up as a player. Bolsinger comes in, gives up one unearned run, goes way above and beyond what you expected him of. I know we can talk about Cardinals series, Giants series, the Nationals last week. We can talk about a lot of good teams and big teams, but that Bolsinger start to me was one of the best of the year only because it was a shutdown start when they needed it the most. And then what happened the next two days? 
after Bolsinger started. They two win wins, both games right. in New York. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you lose the last two in New York and you split with the Mets and you go two and two. Okay, not the end of the world. But Bolsinger got the three-game win streak in the middle of the week started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now let's transfer over to that Mets series. So you guys, I know that you're happy with that 2-2 split. You think playing a, a, a good Mets team like that, that's what you can expect or you know, something that you can be happy with from the Dodgers. Um, I mean, Kershaw, I feel like it's almost hard to keep talking. Not hard, but, you know, it's like 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 Kevin said. We, we expect Kershaw to come and be lights out. So for him to have another great outing, he's, I forget, I wrote down he's on a scoreless streak he's right 29. now. He's 29. Yeah. Here's the key of that scoreless streak. 29 innings, no runs, no walks. That's yeah. absurd. That's crazy. That's absurd. Yeah. He's missing so many bats, and yet he's still in the zone enough to not to have mm-hmm. the command to not want to walk anybody. Mm-hmm. Takes a perfect game into the seventh with the Mets. Those are kind of fluky. That's great. But it's the 29 scoreless innings. Talk about picking up a team. Yeah. And I was going to say, remember, Kershaw started off a little shaky. Right. You know, he wasn't the lights-out Kershaw that we used to. Really, Grinky has been that person. So just to see Kershaw after the All-Star break, and even leading up to it, you know, be able to have that resurgence or, you know, to be able to just dig back, you know, dig back into his bag of tricks and do what he does best out there is just really refreshing to see, especially at this time of the season. If there's a time to get hot, it is definitely this time of the season heading into the playoffs. You can start off bad, but he's finishing extremely strong, and he is, that's why he's their trusted ace. And, you know, another thing I wanted to say as well in regards to Bolsinger, you know, is at least that they were giving him some run support as well. And you find that's extremely critical when doing this, you know. Ask Grinky about run support the first right. few months of the season. So, um, you know, I think as long as they continue to do that, which I know we'll talk offensively later. But, um, but yeah, with the Mets series, you know, with the exception of the third game, I believe that was when they were just obliterated. It was like... 38 to 2, but um, yeah. I rounded up by a couple of t- <laughs> Factor of 2. <laughs> I know, right? But, you know, the thing is, you know, they, they've struggled with the Mets because I remember when the Mets were out here just a few weeks ago. I was actually at one of those games, and um, the game that I was at, they lost like 9 to 0. So I, and the, the game before that, they lost as well. So I know that they have struggled with the Mets this year. So in order, in order for them to get two, to steal two, a four on the road, I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, I'm clapping for joy and saying that's outstanding, but that's not bad at all. Right. And we'll take that. And that's that's the name of the game. We talk about it. Survive on the road, thrive at home. Yeah. Dodgers are, what, 33-17 and 17 at home, 23-27 and 27 on the road. When you survive away from Dodger Stadium and then you take two out of three, we'll hit the A's and the Angels coming up next week for them. But mm-hmm. five games with the A's and the Angels, you take three. Let's be honest, you probably want to take four. You mm-hmm. thrive at home, and when you go out to New York, you survive against yeah. a team. Let's give the Mets credit. They're weird. They're goofy as hell. They do not hit the ball. Curtis Granderson gets playing time for them still. Kirk Neuenheis gets playing time for them. <laughs> They don't hit the ball, but they pitch pretty damn well. And they're they're in the hunt. They're going to be in the hunt. The Dodgers played a good team in New York City, and they took mm-hmm. two out of four. In in the end of July, if you hate that, you don't understand baseball. Exactly. you, you got to look at the big picture. Going two and two against New York, you got to be, hey, you know what? That's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean... Like you said, playing funky baseball, we had our old pal Juan Uribe hit the walk-off that could have potentially sent the Dodgers to a 3-2 and two over the Mets, but... Uh, what? Okay, that is just so funny to me. So he's traded to the, to the Braves. Braves. 
who we face earlier in the week. Then he gets traded to the Mets, who we face, and he goes on to hit the walk-off to defeat us. I mean, come on. Well, that's, listen, that's not the weirdest thing in the weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you know, it's you know, not. The, the weirdest thing in the weekend is Granky's scoreless streak ends at 45.2 yeah. innings. Blame it on the baby. The Mets, I'm joking. The Mets pitcher <laughs> drives in the run on a ground Jacob DeGrom drives in the run. Because yeah. this is baseball, and of course, it's not Lucas Duda hitting a home run. Yeah. It's the pitcher. It would have been better if it were Bartolo Colon. Obviously, yes. Colon faced <laughs> Kershaw, but but Uribe, that's a guy that's a veteran who, this was what, his second game with the Mets? First or second game with the Mets yeah. after that second trade of the year. Uribe is a veteran who just figures it out. You exactly. know what I mean? And you get in the right place at the right time, in the bottom of the 10th, you do what you got to do, whatever. But it's a guy who's now gone to three cities in a year. It's, hey, this is a guy who's played thousands of big league games. He knows yeah. what to do. Let's not forget totally. what he did for us in the NLCS what, two years ago um, with his, you know, wasn't a walk-off but late inning home run. But anyways, one Uribe obviously is. Right. Uh, it's just a tad ironic to oh, be, 100%. you know, <laughs> Like that. <laughs> and listen, don't forget, the Mets traded for Juan Uribe for a reason. This is a guy that they look at that game. If you're looking at this from a Mets perspective, mm-hmm. you look at this game and say, wait a second, walk-off winner, we want that again October 10th. Yes. Yes. I want that against the Dodgers in the NLDS and the NLCS. Absolutely. The Mets traded for him for a reason. Right. Yeah. Now let's talk offensively. Um, we've had, obviously, a couple guys that are just lights out. I mean, Justin Turner. The stat, read that number of his batting percentage that you had on there for this these past this past week. Uh, oh, his average four seventy six, uh, yeah. which is which is ridiculous. Anyone that I mean, I mean, if you're above three fifty, you're doing pretty damn good. He and, is just outrageous right now. But I think the biggest question is, can he? hold on to this momentum? Do you think he can continue to perform like this the back half of this season? Absolutely say- not. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not going to get on base 500. You know, he's not going to get on base 50% of the time. Yeah. But the question is, they the Dodgers traded Juan Uribe for a reason. So look at the bigger mm-hmm. picture. And Justin Turner is, is an equal opportunity offender. He does not just do this against the Mets. He's been doing it all year. Mm-hmm. Made his case for an all-star appearance, and there were just too many third basemen. He couldn't right. do it. The question is, does he do well enough? Did they trade Uribe for a reason? Do they have Kayaspo as a utility guy for a reason? And if they do, and if Turner can do well enough at third base the rest of the year, then you got to evaluate where does Kyle Seeger go? Where does our future go with this? If Seeger's going to play short, which they say, how long is Justin Turner going to be here? We talked about him last week as a possible trade candidate. Sell high, value's yeah. never going to get higher. He's a controllable guy. He's yeah. making cheap money. He's not making any money, yeah. relatively. Um, he's, he'd be a good trade candidate. He's also a good guy that you say, hey, how long is the future in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Not going to hit 476 every week, right. but if he can hit 290-300, you got a real good third base. Well, my thing is kind of like with Bolsinger, I kind of think that Turner is kind of the unsung hero for them. You know, coming into the season with a lineup that featured Adrian Gonzalez, who is, you know, pretty much Mr. Consistent, if you look at that. Uh, Peterson, Puig, you know, a lot of these um, highly touted individuals. You know, Turner was not really talked about earlier in the season like that. I mean, we know he's a great player. We know what he can bring, but I just just think that he's really flourished a lot this season and we've seen that with him and I think that he's one of those guys come October come like you know that will be the difference maker or as I like to say the x factor so um in regards to trading I hope they don't trade him especially right now because he's freaking you know hotter than a fox in a forest fire but um (laughs) 
you know, but with that being said, you know, it, it all contends. Can he can can he extend this greatness two months down? You know, once we get into October, late September, and things of that sort. But hey, I'm all about that red hair. Chad, I miss it, your corny <laughs> metaphors. And let's give let's, listen. We blow him up on test shows. We blew him up last week on this show. Let's give Jimmy Rollins credit. Yes, three straight games yeah. with a home run, four straight games with an RBI. He's never going to come. One of you guys were writing him off. It's Mrs. Jared. It's listen. It's it's. I'm still writing him off. It's too late for him to hit 280 this year. He's too deep into the season. But if you can do a little bit, and then this mm-hmm. is why you get a guy like Jimmy Rollins. Yes. Because weird stuff happens come October and maybe September 20th he starts to show up. Yeah. Maybe when you play playoff-like games like mm-hmm. they did in New York, hey, Jimmy Rollins shows up. Exactly. You do that again October 5th, Maybe Jimmy Rollins shows up, and yeah. that's why you have a veteran like that. And yeah, I'm about to say you got to realize Jimmy uh, Jimmy Rollins has more experience than every player on this team, not just regular season but postseason as well. You know, he he's achieved rings. You know, so it, it's good to have somebody like that on your squad heading in late. Screw, like I said earlier, screw how you started a season. I understand, yes, starts are important, but really going into the back stretch of the season into the playoffs is really where it matters first. And when you have a veteran like that who's a proven veteran over time, it's someone that you can trust. I'm feeling really good about him. So I I definitely would not write him off. Yeah, he's not going to be a 300 hitter, but he's at least showing up with his bat and the time is right. Yeah. Now, quickly, guys, we're live on YouTube right now. So if you have any questions about this past week, trades, anything coming up, tweet us or write write them in the comments and we will answer. Um, Another kind of point we can touch on. So you said, obviously, Kevin, that you thought that Granky's scoreless streak was ended because of the baby. His uh, wife gave birth on the baby. to his little boy, so his game, his starts were pushed back. <laughs> that's that's not a joke. I mean, the guy flew across the country and back in a day. Right, that right. Is, that's you know, a t- that takes a toll on yeah, him. Let's, yeah, let's be honest. Now, now, granted, would the scoreless streak have ended anyways? For sure. I mean, it's going to end at some time. Dude's not going to throw up zeros through the rest of the year. But he was so but, close to Oral Hershiser's record. Uh, listen, I don't care about records. I don't think anybody does. I think a Dodger fan wants to ring. You want to yeah. ring. You got Granky at his best. Records Kershaw are nice, at his best. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are nice. You got, you, but what That's did Barry Bonds. What did Kershaw do in 88 when he was at his prime? You mean Hershiser. 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 He was a baby. Hershiser in 88 at his prime when he was around there setting records yeah. and dominating. He won a ring. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and that's what the Dodgers want. And so the record's nice. A scoreless streak is nice. Can't take any. You cannot take anything away from him for 45 and two thirds. And Kershaw's doing his own, and maybe he gets another two, three starts with it the way he's going. But none of that matters at the end of the day. You need the ring. You need to win the division. You need to get in the playoffs. You need to get through the first round. Let's I agree. be real. And then you got to get a ring. That's the goal. I'll just right. say this in defense of that. The reason why I do like the record is because first of all, I mean, as fans, we enjoy to watch records, especially when players are coming up on them. I mean, there's nothing more, you know, uh, captivating than that, especially as a fan of the Dodgers. Also, you know, Grinky has pretty much always been second to Kershaw, you know, since he's been here. We know he's a great uh, thrower, but, you know, when you're playing next to, he's always been the Pippin to Kershaw's Jordan, essentially. So I was really happy that he had this individual accolade going for him to to cement off just a wonderful season that he's having. So um, personally, I was happy for him. But like Bobby said, at the end of the day, records are nothing without rings. Yeah. And that's the R that we do want to get. So, And, and let's be real. What's he going to remember about this last month when he, tw- 10, 20 years down the road? His baby. The kid. Yeah. yeah. He, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But every time he looks at his kid, he's going to think in his head, I could have had that record. Yeah. It's going to be a bad. If you, if you waited two more weeks, I would have had. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, 
Okay, right. so because of this whole paternity thing, we had Zach Lee with his first major league debut. Not the mm-hmm. best outing. Yeah. But when do you think we might see him again, Bobby? Uh, How does that? Okay, sorry. Next year. So, so the, when, when coaches are looking at that first major league start, it's very important how they no, perform? No, it's not important at all, especially not the way he came up. You come up to make your major league debut on the road, you get called in a day or two early, because we didn't know about Granky's paternity until right. a day or two, exactly. day or two before. So you get called in early, you're coming to a road stadium, you take a plane to New York, you get in a cab, you don't know where the hell you are. And all you're trying to do is get innings. He went, what, four and two-thirds? That's not great. And Chin Wei Sao blew up behind him, and that's the real problem, and Sao's been now sent back down to AAA. Mm-hmm. We're going to see Zach Lee again. There's a reason he's around. There's a reason they brought him up. But he's not going to be in the rotation for quite a while, except barring some kind of injury, which is a good thing because we'll talk about trades later, but the Dodgers going to need to go get a real pitcher, and Lee personifies that. Uh, but you're going to see him again next year. You're going to see him get more chances. He's going to be something like Bolsinger. It's going to be something where eventually, you know, Gradually, a, a yeah. year from today doing this show, we may be saying, holy crap, Zach Lee, mm-hmm. legit third starter. Yeah. That's the kind of guy it could be right now, one outing. You don't write him off. But at the same time, you're like, all right, you stay in Oklahoma City for another couple weeks. We need to figure out the rotation because mm-hmm. you're not going to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, so- and look, the, the most disappointing thing, let's be honest, the Mets don't hit. He made the Mets look like they hit. Gave up 11 yeah. hits and four and two-thirds or whatever, seven runs. Sal blew up completely at that point then. But, I mean, you know, it's one outing. Small sample size. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that we can necessarily, you know, signify or, uh, you know, fairly gauge who he is as a player from this one outing. Yeah, it was just a notch above catastrophic. But, you know, at the end of the day... He's young, you know, it's his first time coming up. Obviously, there were butterflies, there was cab rides he had to worry about. You know, things that contributed to the to, to the uh, lack thereof. I'm not excusing his performance, but I'm just saying it's a little too early to kind of gauge and say, you know, it, it, can he potentially be the, the third option, so... Yeah, now, side note, back to Kershaw. My brother told me this stat, I think it was on Saturday, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess it was Saturday. So, Kershaw had three straight... With 10-plus strikeouts, zero earned runs, and zero walks, he's the first pitcher to ever do that. Yeah. And, and Bobby, you, you spoke about that earlier, about how he's had no walks over his, what, yeah. 29 scoreless innings or something like that? And that's just that's called serious ball control. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, you know, there's really nothing more that you can attribute that to than... You know, the fact that that, that, that he's just acing. And, and 10Ks, I mean, that's nothing new with Kershaw. He pretty much leads the league every year in strikeouts, you know. So, uh, he's, he's he, like I said, he's playing his best right now, and uh, we need that momentum to carry on to the postseason. And you're the pitcher, era of the pitcher. Yeah. Look at Kershaw, look at Granke, look at Johnny Cueto now in Kansas City. Look at Max Scherzer, look at a ton of these guys. Mm-hmm. Look at Bartolo Colon as a 75-year-old. He's still 9-9 nine and nine with a great, great group stats in New York. Even DeGrom. Even yeah. these young guys who are coming up, like Syndergaard and DeGrom yeah. with the Mets. It's an era of the pitcher right now, and that's not an excuse for Kershaw. He'd still be dominant if he were yeah. playing in 2000. He'd still be a very good pitcher. But this game ebbs and flows. 2000 is, you know, the hitter's era. 90, 95-05. Okay. Actually, that was called the steroids era. <laughs> okay? Which contributed to there, that. There were guys still in that time period. Todd Helton, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas. Massive numbers. No steroids. These guys are clean, and they've been Yet. clean, and they weren't. None of those three are going to get caught up. Um, but this is another pitcher's era. Ten years from now, we'll be saying, oh, my God, do we expand the strike zones? There's so many home runs. Baseball just ebbs and flows, and mm-hmm. Kershaw gets the benefit of that like everybody else does. All that being said, Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. Uh, you, you're, you're talking about who wins the Cy Young, Granky or Kershaw. A yeah. couple other deserving NL candidates, but let's be real. It's, it's, it has to be those two at least in the top three. Yeah. 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 I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, there's really, there's not many people you could throw up even in that debate, you know. It, it's actually probably going to be an interesting race uh, because of the fact you have the both of them. I, it's not going to be unanimous this year, obviously, but it'll be interesting. It makes it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but I think probably the hottest topic since we have the trade deadline coming up at the end of this week is. Tommy Lasorda's shoes. What's at the Hall of Fame? No, I'm well, but before we get to that, let's talk Brett Anderson. Okay. Um, okay. So, so for the folks at home, we do test shows every time you do a new show. You do a couple test shows. We've been running what feels like a hundred weeks of them. I think we did like four. <laughs> that you guys don't see 75. the last couple weeks. And in the test shows, we talk about the, the last week in Dodgers baseball. Exactly what we do here. It looks the same. In those test shows, how many times did I tell you guys, Brett Anderson's not going to be healthy? Brett Anderson's not going to be yes, healthy. Yes. Achilles injury. He's going to make a start Tuesday. So they say maybe it's not a thing. But there's the chink in the armor. Here it comes. Does Brett Anderson get injured for the rest of the year? No, probably not. I hope not. Nobody wants him to get injured. Yeah. But the dude is made of glass. The dude has bizarre injuries. And now, and this links to the trade deadline, do you say Brett Anderson's kind of injured? Zach Lee wasn't the answer. Carlos Frias not going to be the answer. We need to go get a pitcher right now. Mm. Urgency level is at an all-time high. Yeah. I think it's doubled because Johnny Cueto's already gone, Scott Casimir's already gone, and the number of available pitchers has just shrunk yes. by two very good ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was reading an article actually earlier today that said that um, the Dodgers see Giovanni Gallardo as a backup Giovanni. if they can't Giovanni Gallardo as a backup if they can't get Hamels or David Price. This I, is listen. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the Tigers are not going to give up David Price till July thirty first. They've said as much on the record. So if you're using somebody as a backup because you can't get Price, you better do a deal in fifteen minutes at the very end of the deadline on July thirty one. I don't know how likely that is. I would rather you go get somebody like Gallardo, or just for God's sakes, go get Cole Hamels right now. Mm-hmm. But with Johnny Cueto gone, with Scott Casimir gone, yeah. your options are dwindling. I, I to me, it's not panic time, but it's definitely heightened awareness time. Go get a damn pitcher today. Well, speaking of going to get a damn pitcher, what would it take for them to land Cole Hamels? Young players. This is the question for me. Cole Hamels is, the Phillies want young players. They don't care. I know we've talked about Puig. We'll talk about Puig and whether he's on the trading block or not in a minute. Oh, yeah. I, the Phillies could get Puig because he's relatively controllable on a relatively cheap contract. He's not making tons of money. That's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. He's got a few years to go. The Phillies want really young guys, though. The Phillies are going to ask for yeah. Kyle Seeger. And Julio Urias. Jared and I talked about this last week. Seeger, fine. I'm good with him leaving. Urias is a 19-year-old now. He's about to turn 19 in double-A. Mm. Under no circumstances are you giving up Julio Urias for anything. Now, maybe I'm alone in that thought, but I would hope that the Dodgers understand that a 19-year-old in double-A who was dominant in double-A this year is an absolute no-trader. Yeah, I'm thinking Seager and Urias are probably no traders as far as I would the... give up to be honest, I would give up Seager. Really? Yeah. I think Seager's gonna be a very good player, but I think the Dodgers look at that and say, you know what, we really need a starter to win now. Urias is the kind of starter who could be the next Kershaw for like another fifteen years. Right, Best and case there's scenario. a surplus of infielders, so yeah. I think I think Seager would go. It'd be a tough go. He's a great player, but I think you trade Seager before Urias. Well, I think you you gotta look at it. It's more than anything, it's a sense of urgency now. I mean, ideally would they want to have to put up all of them? No, absolutely not. But, you know, it's a sense of urgency. You need, like Bobby said, you need a damn pitcher. 
And, um, you know, I think with that being said, you just kind of have to cut your losses or just figure out, you know, what your best options are. Arias, I'm actually a pretty big fan of Arias. And, uh, you know, whether or not he'll be able to be a, a Kershaw for the next 15 years, obviously, has yet to be determined. But, uh, you know, the thing with the thing with Seager, and I haven't did, a, you know, an extensive scouting report on him. But, uh, you know, the, the, the thing I understand with him is he's very inconsistent. And, and that could just be from, you know, uh, lack of experience or things of that sort. But uh, I would much rather have you, if you have to pick one of the two, I would much rather have Seager go and, uh, you know, further hone Urias. Right, so. because we also have Hector Oliveira, mm-hmm. who could come up at any time as well. So that kind of helps that way. But, all right. I guess the big question for me, at least, is I'm wondering, even though Hamels had two horrible starts prior, he just threw a no-hitter, does that increase his trade value? No, not at all. Uh, maybe a little it bit. It raises the stock a little bit. A couple yeah, bad yeah. starts decrease it a little bit. A couple of good ones increase it a little bit. But fans are saying, holy crap, no-hitter Cole Hamels. Scouts are saying, how is he finishing pitches? How is he locating pitches? Mm-hmm. What's his velocity? Hamels' is, is entire body of work speaks for itself, and he's valuable enough as it is. And I think that the trade to look at for the Dodgers, I think we're all in agreement here, I hope. The Dodgers are in complete win now mode. They are in complete yeah. Kansas City oh, yeah. Royals, everything or bust mode. Yeah. The Royals just went and got Johnny Cueto today. It's insane. Cueto insane. contract expires at the end of the year. They're not going to re-sign him in January. He's done. He's a rent-a-player completely. Hamels is controlled more than that, but the Dodgers have to take the same example the Royals did and say, we need to win right now. Exactly. Does Hamels make us do that? Does David Price make us do that? Exactly. Do both guys make us do that? And if we give up a Seager, if we give up a ton of prospects, maybe even, hey, if we give up Urias, I'm not a fan, but maybe you do, because you know what? We have to sell out, and we got to win a World Series in 2015, period, point blank. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't say any better than that. I mean, I think you have to look at what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Obviously, the goal is not for, oh, four years down the line or three years down the line. The goal is right now. You know, what does it take right now to get the team that we need to win right now in order to get that uh, that series? So whether it is something, whether they go after both Price and Hamels, which would be pretty freaking incredible, uh, just, to, you know, that's what? Three, four Cy Young winners in a, in a single rotation, uh, and, you know. Obviously, with with, with Kershaw and Greinke, but you know the thing is, is, is you think, okay, what are they willing to give up? Because also the, the unfortunate thing is, when you are at a sense of urgency and win now mode, sometimes you do things that you may regret next season, season after that, especially when giving up draft picks and things of that sort. So, you know, it's it's very interesting. I'm not the general manager for the Dodgers, so I I assume they're sorting all this stuff out, but I can imagine how complex it is dealing with that. I would just say right now, hands down, you need to make a pitcher your priority, and you need to do whatever it is that you can in order to do that. Everything else can kind of come into place, but I think that's right now is our focus, and you need to do what you got to do. If that means selling your child, Make sure you get a picture. It's selling, that serious. Selling Granky's baby. Selling Granky's baby. Listen, let, let's look at a case study the other way. Let's look at the Houston Astros. The Astros were bad for how long? How stocked is their farm system? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden in 2015, the Astros say, holy crap, we pitch well. Mm-hmm. We play pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. And we're in the hunt. Mm-hmm. We're in the hunt in the AL West. So what do the Astros do? They go get Scott Casimir. Very good pitcher. Yeah. Not a World Series difference maker unless you've already got a stacked rotation, but a very good pitcher. So the Astros are almost playing to say, you know what? We want to get to the playoffs, and we just want to have a shot. Scott Casimir mm-hmm. is not the World Series winning chip that's going to push us over the top, 
But hey, maybe something weird happens, they give us a shot. The Dodgers are not the Astros. The Dodgers have spent $50 billion on their payroll. The Dodgers are trying to, period, point blank, win right now. Yeah. When you try to do that, Scott Kazmir is not good enough. Again, no offense to him, he's a great pitcher. But Scott Kazmir alone is not good enough. Yeah. David Price, Cole Hamels, Cueto would have been damn good, but he's off the table now. Guys like that, you need the frontline guy, the secondary guy who might kind of be available. Maybe you make the move, but you need somebody else besides him. Yeah. Right, and and now aside from prospects, we know that it was at least stated that Puig would not be on the trade block, but then kind of backtracked and reneged that statement. Is there anyone besides, obviously, Kershaw, Granke, Jock Peterson... Ooh, don't go that far. I know what you're you going to ask. You think Jock... Adrian. So Jock. you think besides Kershaw and Granke, anyone else is up for trade? I, I'm I say crazy. AG is up. Yeah. I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. I, I'm crazy. I'm kind of an AJ Preller, if you will. Um, I don't know if I'd blow it up as much as Preller did in San Diego. But anybody for me but Kershaw and Granke are on the block. And Kershaw and Granke are only not because you need pitchers. And you want to keep right. the two best pitchers in the league. And that's obvious. Look, Jock Peterson is very young. He's got a lot of controllable years, and he's making nothing. He's making, for us, he's making half a million dollars. For baseball, he's making pennies. So you talk about a young, controllable guy who just came up, has a lot of flaws in his game. A lot of good things, a lot of flaws. And you as the Dodgers say, hey, do we maximize him or does somebody else? I think he's absolutely on the block. Is he going to go? No, probably not. I don't think you trade him. But I think you'd be stupid not to listen for offers to somebody like the Phillies or somebody. And if they want to throw Jock in a deal and you say Jock and Seager for Cole Hamels, maybe there's a few other players both ways in that. That's really tough. But if you're the Dodgers and you're trying to win now, Carl Crawford's back. Andre Ether's having a nice year. Puig's doing okay in right field. Scott Van Slyke's going to be your fourth outfielder. Enrique Hernandez is kind of a spark plug as your fifth outfielder. And all of a sudden you say, hey, it hurt. But we can give up Jock. We can get Cole Hamels or somebody, hypothetically. Well, let's let's talk about the other outfielder that's, uh, you know, there was speculation about him being traded in Puig. Obviously, there was a heavy speculation, and then it kind of recanted, and then it's kind of solid. My question is, what first of all, what what will it do to benefit the Dodgers to give up somebody like Puig? I understand if you're trying to land somebody huge, but other than... Do, do, do you, so uh, I guess my question is, do you think it's more beneficial to give up Puig to get a huge, highly touted free agent? Or do you think it would be more detrimental to the Dodgers to let go of somebody like that? If you feel like the free or the, the trade piece coming in will win you a World Series, you'll give up right now. almost anybody. Remember, it's you'll, about now. Yes, you'll give up virtually almost anybody, Puig included. Puig's not making tons of money. He's on a very team-favorable contract. Mm-hmm. So I think you give up virtually anybody besides, again, you know, Grinky and Kershaw. To get the win now piece. If you were going to include Puig in a deal that was going to net you the second level piece, you know, the the number three, number four starter, yeah, absolutely yeah. not. Unless the number three starter is Cole Hamels by virtue of the fact that one and two are so damn good, Hamels falls to number exactly. three. But you got to give up Puig for a frontline guy, whether it's a starter or whatever, and I think the only thing you want is a starter. Let's yeah. be real. Um, but if you do it, you do it, and if you don't, hey, you got a pretty good nice piece that you kept, and he's going to stick around for a while. I think you only give up Puig in a perfect situation, but if the situation comes up, you cannot be afraid to pull the trigger on you, anybody. Let me ask you guys something real quick. I'm just play GM for a minute. Yep. If I had to give up one of the outfielders, one of the outfielders, in order to get a ham or something like that, who would you who would you who would you guys say is the first one to go? 
Jock. Major League minimum deal, younger, more controllable years. I think you give up Jock. No offense to him at all. He's going to be a great player. Don't know if it's going to happen in L.A., but I think you give up Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson, that's an interesting selection. If if you had to give up an outfielder. You could also say Ethier in a package with other Mm. players, but Jock is the most valuable as a trade piece. Absolutely. And I think it would hurt less to lose Jock than it would hurt to lose Puig. Maybe, maybe five years from now, the Dodgers look back and say, what the... Hell, were we doing? Jocks, you know, Jocks a Mike Trout. What the hell were we thinking? Yeah. But that's five years from now. If exactly. you win a World Series in 2015, Jock can hit 100 home runs in 2020. But if you get the series in 2015 because you traded him, it's all good. I think that pretty much sums it up, too, as far as what you just said, as far as it just being now. It's the sense of urgency. It's now who cares if Jock wins seven MVPs the next eight years. If they win in 2015, it's justified. Yeah, see, I would steer more towards trading Ethier if you had to choose from the outfield, maybe mm. with a couple pieces like you said, Bobby. Only because I'm a fan of youth. Obviously, we know this guy's good. Whether this can carry on years you know, years yeah. to come, we don't know yet. But yeah. right now, he's doing well for the team. But so, you're not, you're not going to get as much for Ethier, and Ethier's making a lot more money. Those are yeah. the problems. So if you eat a lot of Ethier's contract, you do what you did with Kemp. Looking at the Padres now and what happened with Kemp, you oh, say, hey, okay, we feel, yes, money, Grandal, we, we feeling okay. Right. But you're still going to eat a lot of money for Ethier. You're not, you're going to have to give up a lot more pieces. If you put Ethier in a deal, you might have to include Seager in that deal, too. You uh-huh. know, because Ethier's just not as valuable. He's a good player, but he's only got a couple years. Exactly. So you're saying that Jock's more of a standalone trade piece rather than a package deal. If you well, if you were I, the I, right team, if you were the Phillies, maybe. And mm-hmm. it may be something else, too, but Jock is a centerpiece for the Phillies because he's so damn young. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and that's what makes him so valuable in this is the fact that he's got youth on his side. You know, he's not someone who's 33, 34 years old. You know, he's, he's got youth, and that's going to be something of high value on the market, in addition to what he's already done. I mean, we've seen flashes of superstardom from him, but we've also seen flashes of idiocracy from him as well. So, you know. So it, then, Kevin, answer your own question. Yeah. If you had to choose one outfielder, who would you to choose? That's a very difficult question. I mean, it depends on who you get back. Well, right. well, yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah. It depends on it depends on who we're getting, you know, because uh, because that's the reason you're making the trade to begin with. Uh, so if you're asking if we're trying to get someone like Cole Hamels, who would I give up if I had to choose one of them? I would probably give up. I would probably give up Jock, and the reason I say I give up Jock is because I because it would really come down to Puig and Jock. The reason I would choose Jock over Puig is because, for one, Puig, I know he's still young. This is what his third year. Um, or third complete, actually second and a half complete year because he came up uh, halfway through a few years, ago, a couple years ago. But I still think that Puig has done enough to show that he can be an everyday, you know, fixture, an everyday consistent, you know, person. Now he's done a lot. That's also, you know, should I say, can can counter that as well. But I do, I have my faith going in Puig ten years from now than I have in Peterson ten years from now. Now Peterson is an incre- he has incredible power. I think like five of the the furthest hit home runs this year in the league, or like four out of them, have been from freaking Jock Peterson. We know he's a freak, but we know he freakingly strikes out as well. And uh, you know another thing is in the outfield. I I take and you guys may laugh at me about this. 
I actually will take Puig's defense over Jock Peterson's defense as well. And I say that because Puig is a lot faster. He covers more ground. Yes, he misses the cutoff man and makes some bonehead decisions sometimes, but he has a cannon on him. So um, I just think ultimately, as far as players, if we're comparing the two, I think that you get more out of Puig than you do out of Jock. And that's not a diss to Jock at all. Yeah, no, and I think maybe a lot of that has to do with just maturity. And Puig, you know... Like I said earlier in some of our test shows that I see a lot of Puig in Jock in that when he's at the plate, mm-hmm. he's a little bit quick to make his, you know, decisions. He swings at a lot of pitches that, you know, he doesn't have as much patience, similar to the way Puig kind of started in his first year. So maybe the reason why you would prefer Puig or favor Puig in that situation is just really maturity. The maturation process, yeah. yeah. But so, so we're talking about how Puig is the mature one yeah, in a go combination. Figure, go Boy, how, how the world is flipped on its head. <laughs> uh, no, look, you also got to look at reality here, and reality is the Phillies want young guys. Puig's real young. Puig's got a decade plus ahead of him and re- that are going to be real good years. Yeah. But Jock Peterson is younger. Jock Peterson is cheaper. And the Phillies are not interested in winning a year from now. They are interested in winning five years from now. They have yeah. to flip completely over to young. They've got some really nice prospects coming up themselves, and they're starting to play now. Uh, you know, Chase Utley doesn't start anymore at second base. They've got a real nice prospect at second base. So you get a guy like Jock, who's, you know, 15 years old sometimes, it feels yeah. like, who's fresh in the big leagues, who's making 500 grand. That's a real attractive that's, piece. That's a Philadelphia. Huge, yeah. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Well, let's stick to the NL West and our rivals, the Giants, who are on a 9-1 and streak. Uh, in the last 10, they're 53 and 44, one and a half games behind us. Are we worried with that? Well, first of all, one thing you got to be worried about, and I know Bobby addressed this earlier with the Dodgers away record, you got to realize the Giants away are 26 and 22, which is pretty damn good. All right, that, that's almost identical to their home record, 27 22. So when you have a team that's this good, that gets it done on the road as well as in home, especially during this stretch that just won nine straight. I'm not going to lie. My heart would be pounding extremely fast. All right. I, 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 I do not think for a second the Dodgers are comfortable up there at first in the NOS. And we've seen the Giants make these, you know, from the last five years. We've seen them come in the last stretch, you know, second, you know, second, even sometimes third in the NOS. Um, and then slowly, as it gets to the end of the season, slowly come up atop. They're a great team. Even though now the only thing the Dodgers have in our favor is that the Giants have won World Series on even years. So, you know, this is an odd year. The Giants won in 2010, 2012, 14, what have you. This is an odd year. So maybe they won't come out. But... I would be very afraid. I'm just going to, I actually am very afraid. I'll be honest. There's, there's a baseball reason for the even year thing, and it's legit. That point is legit. Um, I think the point is this the Giants are not going to win 9 of 10 for the rest of the year. The Dodgers are not going to go 500 for the rest of the year. I don't think. That would be mm. bizarre. But the point is, you were never ahead and out front. You were never, you yes. have not won the thing until you've won the thing, and the mm-hmm. other team is eliminated. And not for nothing, you want to be, look at recent World Series champions, you want to be that wild card. You want to be the second team. We talked about this. You want to be the Royals coming up last year, or the Giants coming up yeah. last year. You want to get hot September 15th and play your way into the playoffs, mm-hmm. as opposed to coasting. Exactly. And so if you're the Dodgers right now, you don't want to go up 8-10 games in the division and win the division handily, mm-hmm. because come September 30th, you're in for a wake-up. 
call. The exactly. Dodgers got that wake-up call last year, and they didn't Woo! like it. Did they? If you're close now, if you're close in August, if you're close in September, mm-hmm. hey, Dodgers want to win the division, you win the wild card, doesn't matter, still in the playoffs. Will the Giants overtake them? I honestly don't think so. But are the Giants going to give them a run for the money? Absolutely. And then the Padres, 7-3 and three in their last 10. Are they out of it? Hell no. no. You know, yeah. they're they're not out of it yet. I think the Diamondbacks going to fade. The Rockies are inconsequential. But the Giants, for sure, and the Padres, probably. You, yeah. You're going to be tripped up by one of those two teams at some point. And the Dodgers just need to hope that when you play them and when you play the teams you can beat, like Arizona and Colorado, you take care of business. You get those Ws. Right. Very true. I mean, especially considering the outcome of all of the series so far against the Giants this year. Yeah, it's definitely got to have you worried, especially because, like Kevin said, you know how they can turn it around at the back half of the season mm-hmm. and really push absolutely. for that, you know, title. So absolutely, and, and yeah. the, the Giants have a wealth of starting pitching. Take their lead; they got six legitimate starters for five spots, and one of them is injured right now. But take their lead; go get a good starter, go get a good reliever. For yeah. God's sakes, yeah. go bolster the pitching. You're going to win a lot more two to one games than you are eight to seven games. Dodgers leave too many guys on base. They don't hit on the road to be winning eight to seven games. You mm-hmm. can win a lot of two one games. They can do that every day if they have the right staff. Yeah. And All give, right. Give it up for some of the Giants pitchers that can hit too at the plate, man. Yeah. Shout out to Bumgarner. Go ahead. Okay, you can't be shouting know, out I to can't. the Giants I on Dodgers Rap <laughs> hey, 360. You know, this is Kevin. The thing. You have to acknowledge people that do great things. You know, we can't be biased in everything that we analyze. <laughs> yes, here. yes. Okay. But anyways, anyways, but yeah, forget Bartner. Uh, Bumgarner, whatever his name uh, well, is. Yeah. Screw him. Uh, let's move on. So let's flash <laughs> forward to this upcoming week. We have a couple of good series. One probably better as far as our win percentage goes. The other better as far as excitement goes. We've got the A's and then the Angels. Freeway series, always exciting. What are your outlook for the next couple of series? Well, first of all, you know, speaking of the Giants, the team that they just handed it to is a team that we're about to get in the Oakland A's. And like Bobby said, you got to take care of business against the teams you know you can take care of business with. They have to take care of business against the A's. I mean, they, you can't drop two of those games. It just cannot happen. So I, I, I think, obviously, if, you, if you're asking what's my uh, reaction, I think they're going to go in to the um, to and, and take care of business against the A's. Also, you got to realize the Angels are a good team. They yes. are. A gr- they're a great. They have probably the best. Well, the most powerful third and fourth batter right now. So you know, you also have to look at that. You know, you're going against a. Uh, a strong, solid team with the Angels. So with that being said, I think they absolutely know they have to take care of business against the A's. I don't think they're going to sweep. I don't think they're going to take everything against the Angels. I mean, they are playing at home, which is advantageous, but it's practically home for the Angels as well. So uh, I don't know. That, I mean, that'll, that, that'll really be an interesting series. I, I think we can take, I know we can take at least two of the games against the Angels. I know we can. Yeah. Can we take them all? I don't know. Uh, look, A's and Angels, you're looking at tale of two teams. <laughs> I know. Uh, the A's are starting to trade players. Scott Casimir is the first one gone. When you start to trade players at the end of July, you're telling your players as a front office, we're giving up. We're looking at next mm-hmm. year. We're looking beyond. So the A's, right now, what's the incentive? By the end of the year, you want to play hard. But right now, you're in that weird flux zone. What's the incentive? If you're the Dodgers, do what the Giants did. Take care of two games. You're only going to get them for two. got an off day Monday, off day Thursday. Tuesday and Wednesday are must-win games only because they're so damn easy and they're sitting there for you. The Angels go the other way. By the time you see the Angels on Friday, 
they might have some new pieces. They're looking for outfielders right now. They mm. might get a Carlos Gonzalez from the Rockies. Does he impact wow. the series on the road in L.A. right away? Maybe not. But the Angels are going to be a little different when we see them on Friday. I think they're probably going to have to make a move because they need some offense. But Cole Calhoun, Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, you're right. I mean, the Angels at the start, first two months of the year, didn't hit at all. Yeah. Now they're hitting. Now they're pitching. They've got a couple decent pitchers, and Jared Weaver, for some ungodly reason, still in the rotation, kind of surviving. <laughs> so the Angels are not a bad team. They've overtaken the Astros in the AL West. That's going to be a great series. Mm-hmm. You won't see them again, obviously, till the World Series. If you do, I don't know that both teams will end up making it there. I yeah. think the Angels probably fall a little bit short. But, you know, that's that's if you take two from the A's, it takes the pressure off that three-game series from the yeah. Angels. And worst-case scenario... If the Angels take two of three against the Dodgers this weekend, if you took your two against the A's, we sit here a week from today talking about a three and two week for the Dodgers, and you know what? That's okay. You want a little bit more, but three and two, you win three out of every five, you win 60% of your games, you're doing okay. Dodgers won 56% this year. If you win 60% this week, you pick up a game. I know it's not ideal, but it's better than going two and three. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think if you're talking about what can't they do this week, they cannot go two and three. That cannot happen. I mean, three and two is not terrible, but I even three and two doesn't really put you comfortably in front, of, especially of the Giants. And I don't know who the Giants have coming up either this week either, so that may make a difference in, um, you know, how we project the standings. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if they can do four and one, Outstanding. Yeah. If they can do five and zero, oh, I mean, even the more the merrier. But we have to be realistic, and I think the Angels are going to take at least one game. So. And, and listen, at the end of the day, honestly, if we're here seven days from now and the Giants have somehow overtaken the Dodgers for first place in the NL West, who cares? Not, not the, the end, end of the, the world. world. It's August second or whatever day it's going to yeah. be. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The question is the process. How Absolutely. is the process, not the results? And if the process is decent, if you take two from the A's, which you should, and at least one from the Angels, and you pitch pretty well, and you hit okay at home, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. You're going to survive till the next week, because that's what the playoffs are about. Absolutely. Yep. And like you mentioned, wouldn't that be exciting to see an Angels-Dodgers World Series? Wow. I don't know. That would be a good one for me, but very uh, scary if the Angels were doing. Anyways, guys, guys will be back next week. I will be out of town. Where can they find you on social media in the meantime? On social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HeyKevinJohn or on my website, it's KevinJohn.com. And I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Tina Cap. And like I said, we will see you next week. Go Dodgers! Big Blue! Don't try Puig! From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.